0: Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Well, good morning. morning. It's awesome to be with you. I can't tell you how much joy I have. Just coming back with with Tim Barton and I went away for a couple 3 days uh, last week on a vision retreat and it was you could just tell you guys were praying so thank you it was the best retreat we've ever had i know it's because tim is coming now and uh, we were like this great team but it was like we i went away uh, after we did a prayer walk and i said let's go listen to the lord what is he saying to the, us about the lord and he um, and so he said yeah great so I went away and I wrote down six things and Tim wrote, grabbed this scripture passage that, that just aligned perfectly with these six things and I can't wait to share it with you. And we'll be doing that in the next, you know, several months to our leaders and then to our congregation. So I so just want to say thank you so much, church, for your prayers. I really, really experienced the peace, the joy and just, it was just a, it was easy and it was good. It's so good when you're not striving. And um, so thank you so much. And um, also just, uh, you know, happy Valentine's Day, really. Uh, I hope you have a great day and uh, that you enjoy this day. I know for Valentine's, for many people, it's a, it's a good day. But for many people, also, it's a hard day. It's one of those things like, you know, if you're not feeling loved by someone or you're feeling abandoned, it's, it's tough. So may you, may you know God's love. And then um, how many of you have seen that great love story called The Princess Bride? Anyone? Raise your hand if you've seen it. Uh, yeah, about uh, more than half of you. Good job. The rest of you need to repent and go home and watch it. It's, it's really a good one. It's, it's kind of goofy, but it's good. Uh, and, uh, but it's a story about, you know, Wesley and his love Buttercup. <laughs> and uh, they sort of, Buttercup gets kidnapped and one of the kidnappers uh, is Inigo, Inigo, Inigo Montoya uh, I don't think I said that right but <laughs> but uh, he was, he's a Spaniard and if you remember the story this guy, uh, Inigo, um, his dad was killed by the six-fingered man I know it's a goofy film, right? <laughs> And and he's like seeking this desperate revenge for for him, and he's looking for him his whole life. He's been working with swords, and now he's ready for him. And anyway, so the end of the end of the, fast forward the end of this sh- story, Anigo is like faces off with the six fingered man, and he chases him down, and he ultimately you know wins the day. But the, here, when he faces the six fingered man, uh, this guy Anigo Montoya. This is what he says to this guy, the six-fingered man. Uh, So watch this for a second. Hello. My name is Yenigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. (laughs) So happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) And prepare to die. (laughs) It's, uh, it's so good. Yeah, we've planned this sermon series for months and all the people in the worship team are like, what? John, you're going to preach that on Valentine's Day? But it has a, there is a plan and we're going right through the scripture. So God in his providence has put this all together and you'll hear, you'll understand it a little more as we go. Okay, it takes a few moments. Okay, so, uh, so today is we think about kind of where we've been in the word of God uh, just to remind you, we've been in the Gospel of Mark, and we came up to. Remember, how many chapters does Mark have? Anyone? Sixteen. That's right. And and the center of it is chapter eight. And in chapter eight, Peter, the apostle, the apostle to be, he gets the right answer. You remember he does that in in uh, Mark chapter eight, verse twenty nine. In and Jesus says, "Who do you say I am?" And Peter answered him, "You are the Christ. Bam. He get the right answer. Great job, Peter. I mean skyrockets sky are going off and he kind of wins the day and gets the right and you think everything's going to kind of, that's the crescendo. But you remember that Jesus says so quickly to Peter, and this is back in Matthew's version of this same story, in Matthew 16, He says to Peter, Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And what he's saying is he's saying, Peter, don't get so too proud. Don't think you're 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 so good in yourself. It's the only reason you know this is because my father revealed it to you. And by the way, if you're a Christian today, the only way you know Jesus is because God has done a work in you. You know that? And so we always get so so confident. like, anyway, so what's crazy about this passage is here that we see that uh, Peter gets this this completely right answer, that you are the Christ, which was beautiful, but in the next moment in the story we're going to look at today, he has this big, big fall, this big lapse of memory or this big fall back into the flesh and into his own sinful, selfish ways. And so that's where we're going to look at for in this passage. So uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 8. And, uh, you know, we love to see this in the context because we're doing comma this year. Context, observation, meaning, motive, application. So, um, so as you look together with me, um, this is Mark chapter 8 beginning in verse 31. And this is God's gracious, holy Word. May we put ourselves under the authority of God in his word. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples... But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed When he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Again, this is God's holy word. We're saying, God, please um, be our supreme authority and change us. So um, we've we've already seen that we are to prepare to die. But we're going to do that in seeing this in this passage in two different ways. And the first way is this, is to die to our own agenda. Look, Jesus has just affirmed Peter by tell, calling him the rock of the church. If Peter was in school, you would call him the teacher's pet. He would, but here in this passage, that the teacher Jesus is saying that Peter is actually no, caving into the temptations of Satan himself. Is that just a little bit of a contrast? You know, uh, think about it. On the one hand, you're the rock of the church. On the other hand, you're, you're being used as an instrument of Satan. I mean, isn't that crazy? The contrast, it's almost ironic just how, how contrasting Peter was, that character. But here's the deal, church. You know, we can do the same thing. We, we're not that much different from Peter. Peter. You know, why is it that we go from a beautiful God-centered worship time where we enjoy the joy of God and His presence, we're praising Him with all we've got, we're telling Him, we're saying, we're putting ourselves under the authority of His Word, we're preaching the Gospel to others, we want to make Him known, we want to serve Him, we are the church, we're feeling His strength, and at the next moment we're falling into sin and we're feeling like god is a million miles away from us and we're feeling like, we're feeling like at that moment that somehow that we are sort of far from him and we get consumed with our wants and we are we get concerned with our agendas and our comfort approval so forth why is that well or kids why is it that one moment you know you can you can be having such a great time with your brothers or sisters or your parents. And in the next moment, you're like, you're angry at them. You're frustrated with them. You don't want to be around them. Have you ever felt that? Why is that? Well, here's the reason. Every one of us struggle with the battle of this, between the Spirit of God and the flesh. His wants and our wants. His agenda and our agenda. And Jesus here predicts in this passage that he will have to suffer many things, be rejected by men, by Jewish authorities, and killed and rise again. And Jesus knew this, that only through suffering could he rescue his people. It was only through his submission to God and his will that he was willing to suffer and die that we and our hearts could be one. You see, but here, Peter, we see, like some of us, he sees that suffering does not fit into Peter's paradigm. He couldn't imagine why Jesus had to suffer and die. So he rebuked Jesus. But listen, guys, Peter's rebuke or response is not an act of loyalty. It's actually an act of treason. Jesus' sharp response to Peter shows us that Peter's self interest, in Peter's self flesh, his sinfulness, and his selfish desires, he was unable to accept a suffering Savior. Look at verse 33. And he's. And he said here, but turning and seeing his disciples, he, Jesus, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of men. You see here, Peter's suggestion to Jesus that he should somehow avoid the the cross was like Jesus' temptation by Satan in the wilderness back in Mark chapter 1 verses 12 through 13. That is why Jesus looked at, straight at Peter and the other disciples and said to him, get behind me, Satan. You see, many American Christians share that same belief that Christians should not suffer. Why? Um, they misapply verses such as Isaiah 53.5. The logic runs this way. The reason why Jesus suffered was so that I would not have to suffer, both in this life and forevermore. Suffering is the devil's work, and Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. But here we see in this passage that Mark 8, 34 and 35 is clear. Look at it. It says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone, is that anyone? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. You see, the gospel teaches us not that we are to avoid suffering, but that in our suffering, we will become more like him. Are we willing to die? Are you willing to die? Are you willing to die to your agenda? And secondly, not only are we prepared to die, to die to our own agendas, but secondly to, to live for His agenda. See, Mark chapter 8:22 begins a section where Jesus Peter and the disciples are traveling that 76 miles from the Sea of Galilee in the north of Israel down to Jerusalem in the south. And here throughout that travel, three times Jesus talks about his going to the cross, being raised from the dead, his suffering that he is going to face. Now, why does he say it? Is he kind of like a preacher that that says something, you know, repeats himself because he forgot what he said in the first service? No, he says this, he says this to emphasize it, to underline it, to make clear to his disciples that he will suffer, and by the way, we will suffer. And we should expect this. We shouldn't think that this is surprising. He's telling his disciples here something so important that appears. Three times we see it in Mark 8.31 and then repeated in Mark 9.31. We'll see that in a couple weeks. And then in Mark 10.32-34. And then look at verse 31 of chapter 8. It's one of the clearest, most concise statements of Jesus' mission. It says this, "...and He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise. You see, the cross is not just simply a milestone. It is the epicenter of Jesus' very ministry. It is the heart of the gospel. Suffering is not just expected by Jesus for himself. He tells us clearly every follower will suffer. And we must expect it. And this is not just true in the Gospels. We see it throughout the New Testament and the Old. 1 Thessalonians 3:3, 3, 3, Paul taught that we know that we were, we must know that we were destined for trials. James chapter 1, 2, count it pure joy that we face trials of many kinds. Peter, Peter, remember, he's the one who rebuked Jesus for suffering, and he writes literally what we would call the compendium of suffering. First Peter, he himself in chapter four says, Don't be surprised. You're all gonna face suffering of many kinds. In chapter one, he talks about in First Peter, he talks about Look at every Christ follower is like gold, and I'm going to place you through fire. Not because I want to hurt you, but you will be refined for my glory and for my agenda and for my kingdom's sake. You see, this is true not just through scripture, but throughout the hearts of, of people who have always followed Jesus. One great example in history is Charles Simeon. He was a pastor in born in, the 17, in 1740 and became the pastor of Trinity Church in Cambridge, England. And in those days, they didn't have chairs like we have. <laughs> they had uh, pews, and they could actually, a family or group of folks could actually, they would have a group of their own pew, and they could lock it. Well, when, when Charles Simi first came to be their pastor, you know what his welcome party was? They didn't like him. So they, everyone in the church locked their pews, and he didn't have the key. And so he came into a church with no one there. It was worse than COVID. And, and he began to set up chairs in the nooks and crannies of the church, and that's how he began his ministry. Later on in his ministry, he, started to, he preached faithfully the gospel of Christ. And guess what? Students in Cambridge would often picket and riot his church. And throughout his life, Charles Simeon, almost every time he preached, he was in horrible pain. He had gone through great physical adversity. But after 49 years of ministry, his friend Joseph Gurney asked him, Charles, how do you face all this suffering? How do you go through all of this pain? And this was his reply. My dear brother, we must not... Mind a little suffering, for Christ's sake. I mean, a little suffering? For us as Americans, we'd say, that guy went through crazy stuff. But yet, you know, we, we, we think, wow, man, how could he do that? Well, listen, a, a contemporary also of, of Simeon, uh, John Newton, you know him. He, slave trade captain. Um, he was converted to Jesus, became a pastor, and wrote a hymn. What hymn? Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Good church. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. He wrote this. He was a great pastor too, and he wrote this to a friend who is in deep pain. What would you write to a friend? This is what Newton wrote. When you cannot see your way, be satisfied that he is your leader. When your spirit is overwhelmed within you, he knows your path. He will not leave you to sink. He has appointed seasons of refreshment and you shall find that he does not forget you. Above all, keep close to the throne of grace. If we seem to get no good by attempting to draw near him, we may be sure we shall get none by keeping away from him. <laughs> wow. You know, I've heard uh, in the midst of COVID, and this has been really a hard season. I know a lot of you have gone through a lot of struggle, both here, present, and, and online. And I know realize that, that this is not a good, you know, easy season. And yet... Some I've heard say this, you know, you know, I've tried to pray, but I've not really felt God answer. Which means, translated, He didn't take my pain away. You see, there's a problem with our expectation, church. We have to first and foremost say, yes, God can heal. God can take your suffering away. He does those things. We've talked about that a couple weeks ago. And the power of the word and. There are times where he allows some saints and in fact all saints will suffer but some saints will continue in at times deep pain. The question is this, will you trust him? Are you prepared to die? Or are you looking for a nice happy retirement life? Are you looking to give your life away for the gospel? Or are you trying to stay, you know, whatever, a little distanced, not too much committing, just stay aloof enough, hear a nice message, and then kind of move on. Well, God, God, God has so much more for you. He has so much more he intends for you. To be an ambassador for his kingdom and his glory. It's about his fame and not our name. It's not, not about our stuff or what we have. It's about him and him alone. Paul the Apostle wrote this after going much, through much suffering in his life. You know, shipwrecks, prisonments, beatings, abandonments. He wrote this, 2 Corinthians 4, 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. You know, was Paul just a stoical German who was really good at stuffing his pain and then moving on? No. We know that wasn't his M.O., he wrote in Philippians chapter 1:21 that his desire was actually not to stay here in this planet, which was unusual itself because most of us are thinking, how do we make heaven on earth here? But Paul's desire was this. He said Philippians 1:21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I want to die. But no, I won't die because God, I know you have a greater, more of a calling for me to advance your kingdom. It's not about me, it's about you, Lord. What do you want? Whatever that is, I will live for your agenda. Are you living for Christ's agenda? Are you living for your own? I know we all struggle with this because there's times where, we, where we, we go in and out. You see, uh, it wasn't just Paul who stayed on mission and lived for the kingdom of God. We know Jesus. He went to Gethsemane. And in Gethsemane, Matthew 27, 46, he was, he was thinking about the, what he suffering he would experience at the cross of taking the sins of the world, your and my sins, the death we deserved, every one of us, past, present, and future in all of history. Can you imagine It wasn't just the physical pain. We know it was the spiritual reality of being crushed by the very wrath of God, what that would mean. It was overwhelming. And that's not an understatement. And what did he say? My God, my God, why? Have you forsaken or abandoned me? And then he went on to say, but Father, Not my will be done. Not my agenda. Your agenda. I'm dying to my agenda. I want to not go to the cross. But I'm willing to live for your agenda. You see, no God has ever done that for you. No person has ever loved you like Jesus has loved you. When we were yet powerless, when we were still enemies of Him. Christ died for us, for you and me, for everyone who believes in Him. We have to come to the place of saying, of realizing that our suffering Savior has gone ahead of us. We have that promise. He has taken the great wrath of God. He does give us the righteousness of God. Praise His name. He does take all of our sins if we trust, as we trust Him. But He also has promised that we will suffer. And that's not an easy message to handle for any of us. I don't, no one really wants to face it. But remember this. His suffering, He allows and plans even. It's not random, cheap, nor nor is it eternal. There is a day very soon where our beautiful, tender Savior will take his very finger and wipe from your cheek your tears. I don't know. That is a day when we're face to face with God in heaven where we will know love like we've never been loved. We will sense and know a care like we've never been cared for. And friends, I want to tell you, that day is coming soon. You've got to believe it. You've got to stop believing the lies that life is just about this world. There is a new day, a new heavens and earth. It will come soon, and we must look forward to it so that we can live today, really live. In fact, we can begin to die so we will live. So today, as you think about this message, how do you apply it? And just to think, you know, I know some of you are going through some deep pain If you know the Lord, he's with you. He's near. He's for you. He he understands. He's gone through every bit of pain you could ever experience. He's for you. Will you just say, Jesus, thank you. I believe, help my unbelief. Like we saw a few weeks back. I believe, help my unbelief. And then if you're, it's Valentine's Day and we're thinking about, well, Love and all that stuff. And, you know, love's not just a Hallmark card. I'm glad for them. They write good cards. But look at love, his experience by knowing a Savior who would die for you. Again, no other God, no other religion even makes that claim. And so if you're not a Christian and you're like, well, it's not working for me, look, investigate, see, read the Bible. Read it with one of us. We'd love to help you to, to get to know this suffering Savior who died for you. And then, then, look, Christ's follower, we need to come to the place of just saying, Lord, Lord, where have I not been willing to die? so I could really live this is not about your self martyrdom this is not a masochistic spirit this is a person who receives and experiences the love of God through Christ Jesus the living and true Lord so I pray this Valentine's Day that yes You're encouraged in love, but more than anything, you die to your agenda, and you live for his. Whatever he's showing you is right, good, noble, and true. Edward Shalito wrote this about Jesus, the God who was our and is our suffering Savior. The other gods were strong but thou was weak They rode but they didst stumble to a throne But to our wounds only God's wounds can speak And not a god has wounds But thou alone Prepare to die So you can really live. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your work, your savoring, saving love that meant your ultimate death and and pain. God, we praise you. We give you glory. The words almost seemed not enough, but we do. We say, thank you, God. Glory to you. There's no God in the universe like our God. Amen. So as we come to his table, just encourage you just take a moment a couple moments to uh, reflect and repent I mean every one of us sense this uh, that we there's areas where we need to die to our agenda and our self-interest will you tell ask God to reveal that to you right now for you how does he want you to die Let's go to him in just a moment of of reflection. If you have confessed your sins, receive his pardon. He says to you, By his word, you are forgiven. Sin no more. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Have a great week.